on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we see the return of Holiday Granger's DCI Rachel Carey in the second season of The Capture on BBC. Witness Adrian Turner also assumed the role of detective, this time in ITV drama Ridley. And also on ITV, you can tell James is away this week, we book in an appointment with Aidan Turner's Dr. Joe O'Loughlin in psychological thriller The Suspect. I'm Beth Webb and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters. Contrary to one slightly alarming tweet James Dyer sent out on Sunday evening, he is not in fact medically dead, but is on holiday, no doubt settling into his 156th hour of his second Expanse rewatch. He's replaced this week by the wonderful Kay Ribeiro of Heat fame. How are you doing today, Kay? All good. Sad to be James not to be here, but you know we have to carry on as best we can. Yeah, the guy needs to rest. He looked very. Um, he looked <laughs> broken. Was, yeah, bless him. <laughs> and of course, our pilot TV pillar of excellence, Boyd Hilton, is back as always. How are you doing, Boyd? I am very well, thank you, Beth. And uh, yeah, I'm just imagining James right now as I think we all are, kind of compiling a 50 question quiz about himself and his own uh, TV tastes, maybe, you know, like a kind of ongoing enterprise. Maybe a, he could turn into a pub quiz, couldn't he? Like, you could do a pub quiz, I was thinking, in which you just the whole, all the questions are about himself. Do not give the him thing ideas. Is, based on yeah, how well that ran. So we are, of course, talking about the, the Pilot 200 quiz in which James, as only James yeah. can, um, composed a, a round double the length of every other round in the quiz, um, just compiled yeah. questions, completely skewed to his own tastes, um, and it nearly finished us off. But people loved it. A lot of people in the audience was very here for it. I know. So, I mean, who... Never underestimate the... That's really distressing. Dyer's army, yeah, of fans, yeah. it's the um, That's what you realise, yeah. yeah. It, the diehards, they love it. And on top of that, on top of that, this is, I'm conducting, slightly conducting a post-mortem of the whole, by the way, obviously, for our live, <laughs> our live event. By the way, thanks to everyone who came, everyone who tweeted us, everyone who tweeted, but they, we put a, they put, some, put a photo up yesterday of us. Kate, you were milling around helping out and you weren't in that photo, which is a great shame. And I actually, funnily enough, I remember the moment where I think either Beth or someone said, where's Kate? Where's Kate? And I was like, she's running around <laughs> helping sort stuff out. So anyway, that's annoying that you weren't in the photo. But there was a photo of us, which was very brilliantly taken by our photographer, Marco, and which made us all look fine, <laughs> considering. We went. Um, I mean, I'm, oh, talking no, about me, I'm talking about me and James was, here. Listen, that was yeah. a lovely photo. It was a lovely photo. It was like a nice family portrait and... Terry was having a nice cuddle yeah. of you. It was very sweet. It was sweet. So I'm conducting a little mini post-mortem, I've decided. on, on the, So um, the whole day was fantastic. Kudos to James. I, mean, I know he'd take the piss, but he did literally host. I mean, he insisted on hosting all <laughs> 10 <laughs> hours or how many of the fucking yeah. thing there was. And not only did he do the quiz in which he... It's absolutely true that every other quiz round had 10 questions and the one about him had 20. <laughs> Extraordinary. Um but he also did like a 20 minute, I mean, I I've, I've can't even remember because it was we're doing it live in the actual podcast bit at the end of the day, a kind of recap of everything he'd ever thought about C, didn't he? Did, it he, did, did that happen? happen. I I actually, no, did I, I recorded it? it and I put it on oh, social God. media because what else was I going to do when he was in full swing there? They could complete, so yeah, but in typical James style, we had to review season three of C. Um, I'd never seen an episode of my life until that. And uh, so he 
out of out of the sheer kindness of his heart, took it upon himself to do a breakneck speed whistle stop tour through C, um, which I caught some of on video. And I think Terry was about an inch off the floor at that stage, just completely destroyed by the day, which was yeah. now being topped off with yeah. with James's C-log. <laughs> Can I give you of my um, highlight, my James highlight? Um, highlight. Now Please. we have to. It is true. He worked tirelessly, and as did you guys, right? Pulling this all together, and it was so good that everyone came and seemed to enjoy themselves. The fact that it has impacted his mental <laughs> health is something we do need to discuss because at one point, he um he kind of shouted across to me in the green room. I was like, "Kk, I need your help." So I was like, "Okay, fine." Just went along to help him. He's like, "I need some questions to do this giveaway, right?" So I was like, "Fine." When are we doing it? He goes, "Now, now, now!" I'm going on stage now. He just yeah. like he had this crazed look in his eyes that very much resembled. Now I don't know if you have seen this episode of Forty Towers <laughs> where Basil Fawlty is losing the plot and he goes outside and he takes a branch and he starts whacking a car. <laughs> he had that manic look in his eyes, and I was like, "Are you sure, Jake?" Yep, yep, yep. Come with me. Come with me. I was like, "Okay." And um, then followed the shambolic giveaway session. But and then, know, by, by the way, you then shouted at me, forcing <sighs> me to join it. Let's not forget that. So I had to. I literally, it literally ended up with if the me, ship's going down. Yeah, it literally ended up with me handing out my DVDs that I've been sent to random members yeah. of the audience just because they liked the DVD that we we're giving them. I mean, fair enough. Do you know what it was like? It was like a shit Oprah. You know when Oprah yeah. gives away cars? And we were throwing cutlery, cutlery, the odd DVD. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time uh, James has been compared to Oprah. That's that's for sure. Absolutely Let's make sure, sure it's the last, um, shall we? Can I also follow it? That and make sure it's the last. Funnily enough, the the um your footage of um of Terry and her uh, recoiling from the sea a thon uh, moment. I think that was the moment, I feel, when Terry decided she was never doing this ever again. And she literally <laughs> By the way, this is our last, my last ever contribution yeah. to the pilot TV yeah. podcast. And she even she posted a long message about it. I was like, okay, that was the moment. So it kind of backfired <laughs> on James really, because we're never going to get her on again. But there we go. I think it's oh great she came all the way down in the first place. I know. Yeah, Where'd she, she was from Manchester, and yeah. also I've never so I've, I've stood in for Terry before in the past. I've stood in for James before in the past. Um, I've never been on a podcast recording with both of them at the same time, and just to see the change in energy as soon as she walked in the room before we were due to go on stage to see Terry walk in mm. and just see the whole dynamic shift, and James just instantly fall into into line i was like what's your secret and uh, where can i buy it please it was amazing and it was just such a joy to see them back together as well we should have a whip hand and get a cardboard cut out of her that we put in the studio and then he'll always just you know feel a little bit oh, that's a good idea yeah yeah, yeah. um but no yeah. what a what a monumental day and and yeah i can't i can't um say what Boyd said anymore really other than thank you so much thank you so much to the the lady who came from Stockholm to watch us that was a, a league oh my god in a yes. league of your own there that was oh, so wow. incredible especially because we did not yeah. finish early either we went well into the night um with our with our tv chassis nonsense so um yeah you obviously you guys you made the day um and we're so pleased you were there can I give a little shout out actually to someone I started to, um one of the listeners called Courtney because she um mm. she was there she was absolutely loving it and I just happened to see her I st stopped to talk to her because she had this Grundy t-shirt like the Australian Network t-shirt on which I thought was cool and she was just saying how much she loves the podcast she's a big neighbors fan hence the t-shirt and um 
it was great chatting to her. She also told me an interesting fact that in Australia, her family lives two roads <gasps> down from actual Ramsey Street, where it's filmed. Wow. And how the filming the last episode, oh. she said it was like a death in the family <laughs> because everyone's so invested mm. in it. Like she had a cousin who, um, I think it was a cousin, who wrote on Neighbours occasionally and allowed Courtney to do a scene, write a scene. So I found it fascinating. It was really nice to meet you, Courtney. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Oh my goodness. And for sharing your how love. amazing. How incredible is mm. that? Oh. So much love. Yeah. yeah we really do. Cooler listeners. than us. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Way cooler right, than let's us. talk about some telly, shall we? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> let's start with, yes. as we turn to do, what we have been watching this week. Uh, Kay, do you want to start us off with this? Yeah, sure. So I've been watching old stuff and new stuff. So the new um, Brassic Series 4. Now, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, Joe Gilgan and Daniel, Danny Brocklehurst sort of anarchic, funny comedy. Boyd knows I'm a fan because I'm always banging on about it. Um, it's loosely based on Joe's life and he plays a character called Vinny. If anyone hasn't seen it, he plays a character called Vinny um, who heads up this bunch of misfits who are always on the wrong side of the law. You know, they they come from working class, small town, don't have a lot of money, always up to schemes and stuff like that. And it's just, but they're completely harmless and it's just so much fun, um, always fast paced, relentless with the comedy, and I just love this series because it's really funny, but also they have so many poignant moments, um, mainly around the fact that Vinny and Joe has have bipolar and um, they cover that off and his dynamics with his family and their relationship. So I just love it and I think it's fab. So anyone who wants to watch that, it's coming up on, I think, the 7th September, Wednesday. Are, are you talking um, about... Right, we may end up reviewing this next week, Kate. So you know, let's not... Let's not um, <laughs> You've done a job for you know. us here. Let's be honest, though. <laughs> James What's is the doing phrase it. I'm for? Listen, I've told um I've told you nothing about the new series. I've just given <laughs> okay. you an overview okay. to everyone has watched it well, why you just, should. Just say let's not yeah, I have been meaning to get to Brassic because I loved this, uh, Joe Gilgan in This Is England. I loved him in Misfits as well, and I just never got around to Brassic, so I will definitely be checking this out. Yeah. He is a genius, I think. And un, you know, like not recognized, but he is really good and um this is a creation. I won't talk you've about been, it anymore because Boyd will tell me told again. I have I'm not i I'm just I'm just I'm just mentioning that it's a possibility, so I just don't want us to to, okay. to you know sure. okay, spoiler fine. alert, you know. I mean to be fair, it's I mean I haven't looked to be I haven't looked. Next week is is good who knows what's gonna happen. Um Beth in Venice, I, I think, in I believe. Venice. Um James <laughs> nice. Beth in Venice, brilliant. The sequel to the famous uh, famous <laughs> film and book. Um, uh, and, and James, I believe, is in Florida, but I'm strong arming him into he has to do the podcast because otherwise, I'm when we, you he's and I he's had a be, break now, he needs to come back. Well, yeah, but he can do it from fucking Florida. Yeah, I did you, it from New York yeah, twice, so I mean, he's got to do the podcast. But anyway, I haven't <laughs> looked that, at the, the list of what points. shows, but it may well be Brassic <laughs> because I think everything's fucking Brassic could be the only thing that's not embargoed. So anyway, just just as a just mentioning it. Okay, I'm going to move on to something old then that hopefully you will let me talk about, which is mum. So last week or week before, we were discussing marriage um, by written by Stefan Goloszewski, which I have to issue an apology. I murdered, nay, butchered his name last time. Um, and then when I heard how it was actually spelled, I was um, said, I was like mortified. But anyway, we watched his drama and it was really good, starring Nicola Walker and Sean Bean as the married couple, the long-term relationship. Um and it was really good. I know it got off to a slow start. People were slightly criticizing it, but I thought it was, it ended very, very strongly, I thought. And it made me hanker for Stefan's um, excellent sitcom, Mum, which is available still on a BBC iPlayer. And I would urge anyone who hasn't seen it to um, just 
completely devour it. It stars Leslie Manville, Peter Mullen, and it's basically about a suburban housewife um, who is recently bereaved, and it's how she gets on with her life. Um, with her, she lives with her adult son and his ditzy chatterbox girlfriend, um, played by Lisa McGrills, and it's just brilliant. The writing, the characterization, everything about it, and um, the will they won't they-ness of Kathy and Michael. I'm just honestly obsessed with it. I've watched it twice now, um, and I can't say that I'm not going to watch it for a third time. So yeah, that's what I've been watching, Boyd. People should, also, people should also go back and watch him and her, of course, Stefan, Stefan's first um, TV yeah. show with um, Russell Tovey, and uh, yeah, which was also fantastic. Sarah Soleimani. Sarah Soleimani. Thank you. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Completely, yeah. He he is he is. I, I mentioned finishing marriage last week, and um, he's just got he's such a he's got absolutely unique um, way of doing things, doesn't he? Like looking at the microscopic detail of everyday life and getting and getting kind of fantastic comedy and drama out of it. He's yeah, he's brilliant. Just a great observer of relationships as well. Yeah, the dynamics. What was him, Boydie? Yeah. Um, I well, I have to mention the only murders in the building finale. No, within reason, because um, I'm about three ta- episodes behind. So you tread oh, so, oh, sorry. so carefully. I, I mean, don't apologize yet. Tell him not off. said anything, He's but very... I just know you're gonna. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm gonna tread very carefully. Also, for the listeners, because they might not. Have that as well. Yet. Um, let me. I just. I was gonna say a couple of things. First of all. I do think I love this the second series as much as the first series. So let me make that quite clear. There are I think this happened in the first series as well. There's a couple of episodes late on. I'm going to say like eight, maybe seven, eight, a little bit nine. Actually, not so much nine. There's a there are a few slightly not quite as brilliant episodes, but I think that's kind of inevitable with ten episode seasons of shows like this. Anyway, so I'm, I am just putting that out, out there. There are a couple of slightly cumbersome episodes. I do feel late on in, in the second half of the season. But the finale is an absolute triumph. You'll be pleased to know, Beth. I'm not going to make any specific spoiler mentions <laughs> at all. But the reveal, the, yeah, but the reveal was so brilliant, is so brilliantly handled. Um, all I'd say is there's a kind of, they really bring out the Agatha Christie you know, element of whodunits. You know, they really pay tribute to, you know, like they have a gathering of, you know, where they're going to make the announcement of who did it and all of that. It also affords the way they had some a couple of little um, details that, that gave Steve Martin, particularly, who's one of the great kind of physical comedians of ever, basically, in, in, in all those films he did back in the day, um, uh, a lot of them rested on him brilliant slapstick and his just physicality. And there's a there's a really clever thing where he ends up having to do this really weird thing at the finale. I won't say any more. <laughs> and Martin Short joins in as well. That is just hilarious physical comedy in the middle of this fucking whodunit, crime, mystery, spoof of podcasts, etc. Um, so it's that's all I'll say. Yeah, it, I thought the finale was fantastic. Better. I thought the final episode was better than season one's final Ooh. episode. And then it queues up as as yes as season one season one queued up the next mystery for the next season and of course we all know it has been already um, recommissioned for and I think maybe another two seasons or maybe I'm making it up I don't know but if this does the same thing this queues up the next story and that is look is is brilliant as well the bit at the end that queues up the next series is like oh my god that gets you so excited for the next series because it's so well done it's so interesting so an absolute triumph it is one of the my favorite shows of recent years. I just love everything about it. All the cast, 
the core cast of three, all the guest stars. Um, it's fantastic. So yeah, um, in, it completely lived up to all my um, hopes. The only modes in the building. And the other show I was going to mention is The Newsreader, which um, we didn't review. This The Newsreader. Yeah. The new, uh, go on. I've heard, do you know what? I've, everyone's talking about that. Yeah. I want to watch it now. Yeah, a lot of people talking about it. Oh, yeah. On, in our office, a lot of people talk, talking about it. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk on Twitter about it. And it was one of those shows that arrived on BBC Two, I would say, about a month ago um, on everyone's on Sunday nights, I think. Um, and there wasn't that much. I always say this when, when, we, when we neglect to review a show that we probably should have reviewed. I blame it on you know, everyone else. <laughs> there wasn't that much that publicity about it, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, it's really, really good, really interesting. We should have reviewed it. It's an Australian show. It's, it's kind of a mix between The Newsroom, the Aaron Sorkin uh, series, mm. which very much was about present-day uh, – practices in an American like CNN style um, company and he used real news stories as the kind of storylines to explore how a newsroom in a channel like that works it's got that element to it but this is set in the 80s so it's very much a period piece as well um, and it's all about Anna Torv, who is a, a brilliant actress who was in Fringe. She was in Mindhunter. She's the best, absolutely brilliant in Mindhunter. She was the female lead in Mindhunter, and she's fantastic. Um, and she plays a newsreader who is treated in the most ridiculous, sexist um, way by the bosses at this Australian news channel. So um, it's, it, that's the kind of main core theme of it, really, is how is her as a woman in this very much, very Australian macho environment. And she's given a new reporter who's a junior reporter, who's this kind of handsome uh, young guy. Um, and he, he, she's forced to have him as her new news producer, which is very similar to Broadcast News, one mm. of my favourite films of all time. Mm. So, it's, so imagine Broadcast News mixed with um, the newsroom with a few elements. Of, it's not original. Originality is definitely not a strong point because you love, You'll have seen a lot of this stuff in other shows as well that deal with the media and the news, but it has got a unique flavour to it. I think probably the Australianness of it maybe adds, to it. but it's really well done. She's phenomenal, and it's really instantly kind of compelling. And the way it does use real life events is really clever. I think because it's got like like the Australians reporting on Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting, you know, to see what that was like from their point of view. It touches on that kind of stuff. So it's it's all on iPlayer. I think the whole series is on iPlayer now. It may have just finished on BBC Two in like kind of live, but I'm really enjoying it, and I'm I'm like halfway through uh, six episodes, and there'll be a second series I think soon. So um, it's a really good acquisition by the BBC. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! I am definitely going to mm. watch that. Um, yeah, I think you'd really like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I've had a, a bit of a telly cleanse this week. Like last week was pretty intense. Also, and we'll get into this. One of the shows from this uh, this week that we're reviewing, as Boyd helpfully pointed out, is an hour and thirty <laughs> minutes long. So we're gonna we're gonna. Yep. I didn't watch so much else outside of uh, of work this week, but something that I have been plowing through again on Boyd's recommendation that I can't recommend enough. But after you were talking about the fifth season, Boyd, I went and started watching Better Things, and. Oh, loved wow. it and I feel oh, I so it's it. such mm. because it was such a conflicting thing of course because it's it's obviously Pamela Adlin who is incredible and amazing and I, I hope to see her in so many other things after watching this but it was obviously co-created by Louis C.K. and obviously I'm like well where do I stand in this you know it's such a it, it's obviously 
completely up my street, as Boyd very rightly said, but, you know, do I really want to be visiting something, you know, that's got his name across it? And then I did some reading about it just to... And then I just thought, oh, sorry, I'll just watch it. And I started watching it and I obviously loved it. And <laughs> what I loved even more is when he... So he departed from the project to the end of the second season was, you know, he still got the co-creator credit, but was all but erased from it otherwise. And it only got better, you know, it's, it must have been, and you really do have to feel for, for Pamela Adlin and, and what that, you know, to have to essentially start all over again while also being associated with a project that was associated with such a, such a horrible man. But the fact that it's able to not only maintain what made it brilliant, but actually go in an even better direction, I think is awesome. So I've been just burrowing away at that it's um the kind of show where the protagonist is someone you actually sort of want to be quite like and not in a like do you know what i mean absolutely yeah i'm obsessed with her yeah with all her her flaws and like mishaps and you know and god you want to just not have (laughs) the relationship she has with the kids and i don't have kids obviously but you know just seeing and and having been a daughter at one stage like seeing those relationships is so interesting um but i just i love the writing i love the community of characters that she's created within that show the kids are amazing um so yeah i've really 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 enjoyed you know getting over those initial kind of preconceptions just jumping in and loving it so that's been my big watch of this week also how much do you love um celia imry as the mum she is amazing i've never seen her in a role like that she is just zero fucks given one of the most random bits of casting ever in in like how celia imry this most british of you know people from from the wood of waters and all those brilliant casting yeah fantastic but so unlikely like i don't even know yeah how it happened (laughs) but it's so it's, yeah, it's a child. Yeah, it definitely works. So, yeah, that's been me. Should we do our listener question? Why the hell Why not? the bloody hell not? Yeah. Okay. Well, this, uh, this question comes from Henry Davis, who very kindly tweeted us off the back of our lovely Sophie Butcher putting out our call out earlier this week. Uh, Henry says, which writer's new show will you always watch, no matter if the premise or first few episodes interest you or not? Um, well, I've discussed him before just now, Stefan Goloszewski, always. Anything that he writes, I will be um, watching immediately. Um, and then there's just three others, Sharon Horgan and Holly Walsh, both who were connected to Motherland and Holly recently did the other one. Just obsessed with her writing and Sharon. So anything they do, you know, even if I'm just not immediately into it, I'm, but that's unlikely, that's the thing. <laughs> like whatever they write, I'm, <laughs> I'm immediately sort of obsessed with. Um, and the final person is Dan Levy, who I've only watched one of his things, Shit's Creek, but I watched it obsessively during lockdown. I'm kind of on my third time of watching it. And I just think the next thing he does, I'm so excited um, that, yeah, just even if I didn't like the first few, because Shit's Creek, actually, the first few episodes, I liked, but I wasn't hooked by it. I was like, hmm, what do I feel about this? And then I gave it much longer chance than I ordinarily would and then became rapidly just mainlining it and obsessed so yeah those are that's reminded me i need to watch bad sisters as well that's on my watch list oh they're stacking up stacking up oh Oh, it's really good how about you buddy um yes i i I agree with all of those the the ones that Kay mentioned um i guess what got me thinking a little bit about how i mean obviously like russell t davis for example is that is is a no-brainer i've watched every single thing he's ever done and um there have only ever been a couple of shows he's ever created and written that I wouldn't immediately think, oh, yeah, this is really interesting anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So 
I started thinking about writers who write stuff where sometimes I'm not that bothered, maybe, about, even though I think they're brilliant, about a, a project. So I'm thinking, so Sally Wainwright, I was thinking of. Who I who is I think is an absolute genius. You know, she she her very first well the first show that I remember watching um, on TV wasn't a, she she wrote for soaps and she wrote various um, uh, I think she wrote on Bad Girls at one point um, that classic show on like TV <laughs> but she created that Home with the Braithwaite which was the show about a family winning the lottery um, and it was just a whole. It was a fantastic show back in 2000, in the early days of Heat. I remember um, writing about that and loving her stuff. And since then, obviously, she's done Scott Bailey, Lost Tango in Halifax, Happy Valley, one of the greatest mm. um, crime dramas of all time. Third series arriving before the end of the year. Can't wait. But the one that I – Gentleman Jack, she created, um, which was this story about um, – this real-life story about this woman, Anne Lister, who was like a lesbian living in um, the 19th century in the 1830s in Yorkshire. And that was a show, like, I was interested in it, but there was something about it that I never really connected necessarily that much with the concept of it and the tone of it in a way. Um, But I carried on watching it. But that's an example. So that was was an example of a writer I love who who might have had a project I wouldn't have watched apart from the fact that she wrote it. And that was definitely, Gentleman Jack is definitely an example of that. And it was a brilliant show, to be honest. Kind of ended up being slightly underrated. And I mean, I think it did pretty well on BBC One on Sunday nights. But that was definitely a really, really good show that I probably wouldn't have watched if it hadn't been for the fact that Sally Wainwright wrote it. What are you laughing at, Kay? (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing because you've successfully asked the question that was answered. That was the question that was asked from the reader. I would, I've just basically listed um, oh, no, no, writers no. that I definitely would just watch. <laughs> no, it's true. When you said that, I'm like, yes, you're right. There was a little detail in the question, yeah, but that got, did get me thinking. A little, a little detail of the question. Yeah. The other example I thought of was Jimmy McGovern, um, who is one of the all-time great TV writers. Just. A complete legend. And the one show, funny enough, the one show that of his that I might not have watched was Banished, which is, I, I, I'm coming across here as I don't like period dramas, which isn't necessarily true. But he did Banished in, um, when was it, 2015, which was all about um, prisoners ending up in Australia, you know, when Australia basically just became this like land that was, mm. that was where British establishments sent um, British criminals over there. And that was a thing that I was like, oh, am I that interested in that? I probably possibly wouldn't have watched if it wasn't for the fact that it was written by Jimmy McGovern. It did also star Russell Tovey. So there was another reason for me to watch it who was great in it. And it you was really good. You were always going to watch that. Yeah. Well, if he hadn't been, right, if he hadn't been in it and Jimmy McGovern hadn't wrote it, I wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> that's, that's my answer to that question. Okay, <laughs> and my final contribution is, is, is Beth's favourite, Ryan Murphy. Oh, boy. So the thing about Ryan Murphy Ooh. is, yeah, <laughs> yes. The thing about Ryan Murphy is I loved his earlier stuff. Like Nip Tuck. I mean, Nip Tuck was one of the most daring, incredible um shows on television at that period in that time. I think it was on FX uh in, in the States, which was quite a daring channel anyway. But it was such an that expose of plastic surgery in California and just everything about it was phenomenal. Glee, when it first started, was you know, a real breath of fresh air. And then he got became this like more and more powerful showrunner and starts to get more and more annoyed about his output, which is fair enough, which is because it varies wildly. I mean, some of it is absolutely terrible, to be fair. Um, but I will always watch his stuff. And I think he, so even though we've all been burnt by having to sit through some really ridiculous over-the-top nonsense that he's come up with, like the politician I'm thinking stands out as one of the lesser... Murphy series. So he's he's kind of carried. I love American Horror Story, 
I loved American Crime Story, O.J. Simpson. You know, I loved the mm. Gianni Versace one. So some of his stuff has been at, at the peak of peak TV, but he's equally capable of writing absolute dross or creating <laughs> absolute dross. It's almost like so flimsy and is just like, you know, total style over substance stuff. But do you know what? I still always find his stuff fascinating, <laughs> even the shit, even the terrible stuff. So he is an example of a writer, a creator I'm still persevering with no matter what. And I cannot wait for the next series of American Horror Story now. I'm like, what the fuck is he going to do this time? So, yes, uh, Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy might be my oh, ultimate you answer. You testing me this morning. But- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, with me, I, I'm boringly reverting to uh, a bunch of old white men, which I don't know what that says about me, but I will, and I'm slightly biased by this because I did, um, I was very lucky to do this um, fresh meat reunion at the beginning of the year, but off the back of that, I will oh, gladly yeah. say that anything that Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong put out into the world, regardless of, you know, a few curveballs in perhaps the first few episodes, I will gladly watch right through to the end i find their writing so and that was part of what was so nice about the event is hearing these actors saying about how lucky they were to get that kind of writing um and i think that that is incredibly true everything that they write is so um so well observed and funny and capable of achieving tenderness not so much in succession i mean there's there's such a kind of airless feeling to that show, but I will watch that again and again and again. Um, so they they are very high on my list. And uh, if uh, Sunday's Banshee round has anything to say, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone that wasn't at the or who hasn't yes. listened, I don't know if we we launched Banshee, but I did uh, Studio Sixty on on the Sunset Strip for my Banshee. And uh, if I didn't just watch all of that in spite of it very much being cancelled after a first season, not only watched it but was champion it to the end of the the end of the earth. Um, and the same with Newsroom. I found some some episodes of the of the Newsroom to be quite weak. I didn't love the finale uh, necessarily, but if I didn't just watch all mm. of it um, and would have watched another season if they'd done another season. Um, so yeah, those are those are probably my big ones. I reckon. Um, but yeah, yeah, please, yeah, solid and please again. Yeah, boy, did answer the question like thoroughly. And <laughs> let's not forget. Now you just reminded me with your reference to the banshee. I don't think he's put that out yet, has he? As a separate podcast, or I don't know what Who's he's going to gonna do. Who knows what what goes on in I the head? I think he's not. I think he's not going to put it up because he didn't. <laughs> really? Right, of course. Yeah. Well, we should say that Beth pulled off an extraordinary coup of getting her own dad. The legend, the man, the legend on stage to to take part, which was, I mean, we, as soon as that happened, I was like, I've right, given up. There's no way. Yeah. You can't it compete was, with that. Beth, it was a total masterstroke. And like, as soon as it happened, like, like the audience, you had them in the palm of your hands. It was very yes. good. Uh, just to add some more context to it, we did, a, we did a dramatic reading of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, for which my dad insisted that we walked and talked, um, which is it's probably the most surreal thing I've ever done. I will, I will put it out that the most surreal thing that I've ever done. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? Despite Terry yeah. trying to hijack your dad for her little pitch, it didn't work. That's Thank the thing. you. Yeah. You still, you yeah. 
That was so, a, because Terry knew. I think as soon as soon as uh, 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 as Beth's dad walked on stage, it was over, <laughs> right? Because Terry and, yeah. and so I think yeah, she yeah. then tried to co-opt, co-opt. Yeah, yeah. you know, I would have done the, the same. Only, yeah, right. The only way to the only way out was for her to do a bit with that was quite good off the cuff yeah, thinking on her yeah, part. Yeah, it I was thought. resourceful. It was great. So um, yeah, Dad will be listening to this. So cheers, Dad. Okay, well, thank you so much for that, Henry Davis. Please do continue to tweet and DM and email, I think, is an option. I don't know. Uh, get in touch with the questions. We will get to them, I'm <laughs> sure. But thank you so much for that. Let's get on to this week's uh, news, shall we? What's that? Big Boys renewed for a second season and that's the end of news. Yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> that's it, isn't it, really? That's all <laughs> we need to know and care about. Wonderful. Just wonderful. We had the wonderful Jack Rook with us, of course. I will shut up about 200 soon, but he was there and it was brilliant. And I had the chance to chat to him afterwards and tell him that I've seen Big Boys three times. And then I think it was later that night or the next day we got the news that it's been renewed for a second season. So that's brilliant. Well, not only that, that Beth, but... excellent news. Not only that, Beth, but Kay and I had a chat with him um, as well in the in the green room of the 200th uh, event. And he basically... I asked him outright whether, you know, what's happening with Series 2 yeah. um, of Big Boys. And he outright had to lie. or not, had to, He had to... He, he wouldn't confirm it and kind <laughs> no, of... No, he didn't lie. <laughs> no, he didn't lie. That's not fair. You're right. <laughs> no, he didn't lie. No, that, no, that's not fair. No, but, but he, yeah. I'm, no, no, no. But he, he didn't, didn't lie. Go... He just, he alluded to there might be good news on the front. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah. In fact, it was, he, he totally confirmed there was while not confirming <laughs> yeah. there was. But I, I wasn't expecting the, the answer. Like, he could have said, oh, by the way, the announcement's happening tomorrow or whatever it was on Tuesday or whatever, <laughs> literally in about 48 hours' time. But he, these things are controlled by it greater forces than the mere creator of the show. So, yeah, Channel 4. He was, he was a total sweetheart. I'm delighted with the news. And also, he was very kindly said we could <gasps> maybe pop down to the set. So, yeah. I, for one, was ecstatic yeah. about that. Yeah. Which a, I said a was gentleman's a agreement, a big yeah, well, agreement we'll that coming. we could go down to the set and pester them off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just wonderful news. I don't know what they're going to do because they wrapped up. It's another case, isn't it, where they wrapped up the last season so beautifully and and you could happily put a stopper in it but at the same time I'm so enamoured with the characters and the writing I would gladly gladly tuck into a second helping of that three times he did he said he's actually had plenty of ideas for two more series (gasps) so he's got like he's got a lot of uh, ah yes 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 um, my only request is I really want more of the mum, Camille Kaduri in it because she is fantastic and I've I wanted even in the first series I was like oh come on Come to university again. I need to see you. So, yeah. Yeah. She was also in Him and Her. Of course. Yeah. Camille. Absolutely. And Doctor Who and um, other brilliant stuff. Great comedic actress. Yes. Headline news for us here on the Pilot TV pod. Um, Another headline um, news event that happened. And I just love the timing of this. So, 200 wrapped. We walked away. We went home to bed. Woke up the next morning. And a first look at The Last of Us had dropped. The very show that James has oh, said yeah. he's, is the mo- the show he's anticipating the most for the rest of this year. The the one that I, I refer to fleetingly as the computer game show. We got a first look of it with Pedro Pascal <laughs> as part of a kind of HBO Max sizzle reel, which included some other cracking stuff in there. Another look at uh, White Lotus Season 2, for example. So a load of great stuff dropped <laughs> hours after we finished. 
Pilot 200, where no doubt that would have added an extra half an hour onto the bloody recording because he would have wanted to talk about it so much. But yes, we've got a first look at um, The Last of Us finally and a 2023 release date, whatever that means at this stage, could be January 1st. Who's who's to say it? It looks like it's in good shape anyway. Um, I know absolutely nothing about it. And this is what I love even more, the, the, the sweet irony that he can't be here to talk about this either. And we're like... Yeah, the computer game show and it's pretty good, doesn't <laughs> oh, it? And that's 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 gonna be the pilot hot take on this this week, which is uh which is really funny. Um but yeah, and we also have some exciting casting news for the aforementioned season three of Only Murders in the Building, don't we? In the form of Paul Rudd joining uh joining season three, which I think is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh my gosh. That is fantastic. Yes. Now you've put me in the slightly difficult position of um, no. uh, let's just say you know, no spoilers. <laughs> oh for goodness sake. Oh, I've walked into that one, haven't I? Yeah. Let's just say you did a bit, yeah. Those of us who've seen the finale, that won't have been news. But yeah, yeah. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. It's not a massive spoiler, is it? It's just you all know, right. yeah. well well I'm I'm yeah. very, very excited for that. But what? But yeah. But as to your main point, as to your main point, what more could you want, man? Comedy fucking genius Paul Rudd joining an already packed uh, show full of comedy geniuses. Yes, wicked. Yes, what good. else is happening out there in the telly world? In more exciting news for Channel Four comedies getting recommissioned, Hull Raisers is getting a second season. So Lucy Beaumont's Hull-based comedy, which I didn't know was a, an adaptation of an Israeli mm. show. Did everyone else no. know that? Little Mom, apparently. No. Amazing. No, is it? I might have made it up. Maybe I had a fever dream. Wow. Boyd, maybe you can get onto the uh, facts and Google that. But yeah, um, it's coming back for a second <laughs> series, which um, is great news. Also, fans of Tom Davis will be happy to hear that The Curse Season 2 is returning. Yes. So it was co-written and starring Tom and also People Just Do Nothing's Steve Stamp, Hugo Cheguin and Alan Mustafa, aka Sipa. And it's coming back. And so first series, we saw that, you know, the gang had sort of stolen this gold. And this time round in season two, they're going to be on the run in Spain. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, the curse was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. And um, brilliant yeah, news. Brilliant. Channel 4, Channel 4 just announcing a whole load of comedy recommissions is really good news as well because they haven't had that many returning comedies, mm. I would say, in the last few years. And this was all done at Edinburgh, we should say. I was going to say that, you know, the Edinburgh TV Festival, which is finishing as we speak now, as we record this on Friday, um, and uh, by the time this comes out on Monday. But there was a whole slew. Yeah, so all the channels kind of go to Edinburgh, all the big TV bigwigs, and they make and, and they keep up. That's partly what, probably why Jack, going back to big boys, <laughs> Uh, probably didn't realise that basically, yeah, they're waiting till, to make the announcement in Edinburgh because they have, they have love to have stuff to announce because everyone announces everything. There was also a big, there was a very interesting, I think, little mini spat. There's always like spats at yeah. the Edinburgh TV Festival. I love a spat. It, because it's not really a festival. <laughs> it's really like a conference, essentially, where, you know, people talk about, address issues, big issues in the TV world. And um, there was, so Ian Katz, who's the boss of Channel 4, as well as and that making all these announcements about, you know, stuff coming up on the channel, uh, made it said something about how it was depressing the number of t reboots currently in production on British television, to which, of course, those of us who pay any attention to Channel 4 go, well, you, they've got loads of reboots on Channel 4, like Changing Rooms, is, is, yeah. they're, they're doing, they're rebooting again. Yeah, it was uh, a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, The Big Breakfast, they're just rebooting at the moment. So it's like, I, I, you know, I tweeted, I was like, has Channel 4 got actually any fewer reboots and reimaginings and revolves than any other channel? I think the answer is no. Um, 
And it all, this was all started because the BBC announcing that it's doing gladiators. BBC is bringing gladiators oh. back, uh, which is absolutely gratuitous. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> gladiators, gladiators. <laughs> gladiators, gladiators, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is other news, yeah. Up. No, I won't shut up. Gladiators ready. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. They should have gone at the top of the pond. I know, I buried the lead. Buried the lead, sorry. Um, Genuinely excited Yeah, about if this was James that's taking part, he would like be disgusted and he probably wouldn't even have heard of Gladiators because obviously he doesn't do popular culture. But um, <laughs> yes, so BBC's person. one should be being back Gladiators. Why the fuck wouldn't they? Um, and Ian Katz mm-hmm. decided to try and take the moral high ground by saying, oh, all these reboots, but Channel 4 does do loads of reboots. They also, they, they turn lots of foreign dramas that have been on their Water Presents thing into British dramas as well. So they, re, they remake. For, so if he's looking for originality is what I'm saying. Bottom line is, yeah, Channel 4 is no more original when it comes to its commissions than any other channel. So that was interesting. And then there's a whole thing. Emily Maitlis did the big showpiece mm, I saw um, this. speech. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's really good. Which was so good. And she was, you know, she was talking about how... Um, Which you can listen to, by the way. Yes. If anyone wants to listen to it, it's on their um, podcast, on her podcast, on yeah, Global. exactly. It's available. I started listening to it last night. Yeah, I listened to the whole thing, same. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating. Yeah, particularly... The most the newsworthy thing was she talked about how that you know there's someone on the BBC board who's an ex Tory you know not so long ago was, in fact still is campaigns for the Tories and advised um, the the Prime Minister and you know so just exposing the kind of um, the ridiculous pressure certainly the BBC comes under from politicians and basically everyone on the left thinks the BBC is too right wing everyone not everyone but a lot of people on the left think the BBC is too right wing a lot load, even more people on the right think the BBC is full of liberal lefty types and the fact is there are loads and loads of right wing Tories deeply involved embedded in the BBC is my opinion and um, I think someone like the fact that Emily Maitlis has left and John Sopel has left who is their US correspondent and they've gone to do a podcast by the way she's not even presenting a radio show they're literally just doing a podcast um, is extraordinary I think that you know they've got that and, and the state it's brilliant yeah it's, oh it's brilliant for them but it shows you that you know the state of one might say, I'm, I'm not one of those people who wants to slag off the BBC, but it's interesting they got to this point where they both left and they didn't feel, you know, I don't think they felt enough love, shall we say, is my feeling from the BBC. So, yes, I got quite uh, political there, didn't I? Apologies. Mm, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Um, just to bring it a bit more lowbrow, and since James <laughs> is off, can I just give you one bit more? <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, one bit of news that excited me last week as well. Now, for anyone who watched The O.C. back in the day, now I'm sure there's at least one person listening who must have watched The O.C. There was a fa- Oh, Beth, yes, the thumbs up. We Did all you see the, the picture, the selfie of uh, Melinda Clark, Tate Donovan and Misha Barton reunited, Beth, <sighs> the Cooper family reunion um, on, on social media. I was very excited. And alas, it's not coming back that I know of, but I think it was a convention. But still, it filled my oh. heart with pure joy. So I need to Google it. I knew there was there out. was news of the reuniting. Um, I actually, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. Mm. I really want to listen to the podcast that the Summer and Julie um, actors, Rachel Bilson and, oh, yes, yes. Is it Melinda Clark? Um, that they host because it looks just glorious and they get all the top-notch guests on, which is great. Um, but yeah, I need to look into that. That's a nice Friday treat for me. Go and look at the selfie. Awesome. Yeah, mm. that's good. I'm getting out of my system before James returns, you see. Oh, completely, yeah. Fair enough. Although I think he did maybe... Did he watch the OC? I think he might have done. <laughs> Terry definitely did. We definitely discussed the OC. I think he might have done. 
Oh, we'll find out. We'll okay, find let's out. have a bet now. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting five whole pounds on this that you never um, accuse you. Okay, I'll bet you that. Yeah. Take the bet. I'll, I'll take I'm the, the witness. Bet, yeah. okay, I'm pretty fine. sure the he witness did. between yeah, the two. Sure. Although the, yeah. he is, yeah. he is full of surprises. That man, so it could go either way. It genuinely could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes, yes, he genuinely could. Did you see? I thought it was interesting. The the um. The news that Barbie Fier- Barbie Ferreira yes, has left Euphoria. That was um yes. I wanted to say surprising, but I don't know. It feels like mm. something shady has happened exactly. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So I'm looking I'm looking yeah, the story is so she she she's left um she played the character of Kat, who was a brilliant, I thought one of the best things about season mm. one. Um just exploring a whole world. She ended up being like going online and being like almost like a, you know, kind of like a sex worker in a way um, or, you know, kind of building on all of that. She was a fascinating character, but she was massively underserved in season two. Like she completely faded into the background and was one of the, one of the main flaws of season two, which I'm, I'm, and I absolutely fascinated by Euphoria. Kind of love it. Sometimes hate it, but generally it's it's an amazing show. But it is interesting that she's left, and you do think, well, yeah, because she wasn't given much to do in that second series at all. She totally that character faded into the background, and there were rumours that she had a big um, uh, argument with Sam Levinson, the writer, creator, director, everything. But she is completely denied that. So she said um, she said that didn't happen at all because there, there were rumours that she stormed off set, etc. Um, and she said that that wasn't she. So she kind of, but she did put out a statement saying sometimes things take on a life of their own and they're not rooted in the truth mm. about that story. Um, so she's saying there's no big reason, you know. But I, my thing is, smoke without fire. Well, yes, that's true. But also, if her character hadn't been completely sidelined in season two, I bet she wouldn't have left. Like that's that's the main creative reason. I feel like you know. If she'd have been given good stuff to do in season two, and she just wasn't. I know, I know there was a lot going on in season two, but you know, trying to work, trying to find a good storyline for her was definitely, definitely did not happen. So that was interesting. Yeah, I think there is definitely. I would be more inclined to accept it if her character had had like a what felt like a definite ending point, but it just felt like. I mean, I've said this every week when we spoke about Euphoria season two. Boyd, I'd go off about how Maud Apatow was getting more screen time than most of the yeah. other cast, including um, Barbie Ferreira and Hunter Schaefer as well. I felt like we'd, you know, been introduced to this amazing trans character in the first season who just didn't have that much to do. And, you know, it was always going to be the case we were going to get a third season and maybe that would be where they get a little bit more room and a little bit more story. But it did feel very abrupt, some of the prioritising of those characters. And Maud Apatow, let's be honest, probably has a bigger influence over storylines given she's of celebrity parents um but yeah it was shame well did you see did you see the sydney sweeney interview um in the hollywood reporter i think it was last week yeah she she just uh, really interesting and it made quite a lot of a lot of people talking about it on social media but she basically talked about how um she didn't she didn't single out anyone at all by the way um but she did make the point that she's like a kind you know from she has no um, family and showbiz at all and she talked about the contrast between the difficulties she has mm. with her career and you know getting roles as opposed to and mm. just making money basically as opposed to the children of famous people and it was a really interesting piece and and she talked about the the the, the, the um, economics of being a jobbing actress in Hollywood and how she's nowhere near as rich as she probably thinks she is she doesn't get paid as much and I know it's like all right you know are we crying tears for Hollywood stars? So, 
She, but the, the piece acknowledged, it was in Hollywood Reporter, it totally acknowledged that fact. But it was really interesting to see that she basically, Sydney Sweeney, she has a massive like Instagram, social media following. And she take, she she does a lot of like paid yeah. for promotions. Yeah. And, you know, she's kind of an influencer as much as, as well as being a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actress because she's phenomenal, let's not forget. So is she... Is she sort of saying that she has to do yes, that? Yes, to... exactly. She has right. to do that. She has to do all this other stuff that, you to know. Supplement her income. Yeah, supplement her income. It's so interesting. And because what, I, just it's a final, it's, I mean, this is a whole interesting story in its own right. But with the world of Netflix, you know, Netflix they, and all of these streamers, they don't play residuals. So in the past, if you were part of a show that, that went on, had an afterlife after the show went out. So, for example, Seinfeld gets shown, you know, on Netflix now. It's on. It's shown on all these other channels in America still. And everyone involved gets paid huge amounts of money without doing anything because they were in the show because they had they get a percentage of the success, subsequent success of the show. But that doesn't happen really? a lot. for each episode? Yeah, every like- single time. Any episode of for the show, oh the God. cast and Jerry and everyone involved get paid money for that, and it gets and it's so like friends. They yeah. must oh, they're just rolling in completely it. rolling in it, and that yeah. and 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 the but the streaming services a lot of them don't do that so much now. It's not it's it, it's 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 so it's fascinating how they're not how cast members are routinely not given that those residuals anymore, and so um, and Sydney Sweeney. It's a whole different world. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's well worth reading it. Sydney Sweeney in The Hollywood Reporter, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Any more for any more? Sorry, Umbrella Academy's been renewed for a final season. I think it was quite interesting that Netflix giving that a go. Um, it has its big fans. <laughs> giving it a go. I think that's um, just everything sorry, that we, we think about, about that. Yeah. That's very specific, yeah. They're giving it a sorry. go. They- <laughs> um, it does. P- people love it. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to be in the next series of The Boys, yes. making it a full-on supernatural uh, Yeah, I'm glad reunion. you said that because that yeah. should have been pretty high up. <laughs> yeah, that is like... That is just like yeah. perfect casting, isn't it? Oh, let's take him from one of the biggest yeah. shows for that demographic and put him in one of the other biggest shows from that demographic. It's just like perfect, perfect. Yeah, so very funny. No um, he did some very funny like photoshopping to announce his casting as well, which is pretty great. Yeah, that's 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 really good fun. Um, amazing. So let's review yes. some shows, shall we? All right, let's start then with uh, second season of The Capture. I'm going to go back to 200 because it was a great day for us. We had the absolute pleasure of uh, screening a very very tasty preview of uh, the show um, as part of our live event. Um, and in the first episode, we see DC Rachel Carey, Holiday Granger again. Um, she's seconded Counterterrorism Command's mapping department uh, when her former colleague D.S. Finn and D.I. Latif bring to her attention the case of a man murdered by invisible assailants. And so the stakes quickly become deadly. Boyd, what was your take on this? Well, this was interesting because this is a show, yeah, as you said, we showed episode one at uh, Pilot 200 live event and we could have reviewed it that, <laughs> in that podcast, but it would have been a bit weird to review it the same day that we've all just watched it in that auditorium and when I interviewed um, the writer and creator Ben Shannon about it. So it felt tasteful to leave it a week. And by the way, as well, the BBC show, the BBC is showing it um, Sunday, Mondays um, for okay. three weeks. So six episodes. And the first one would have gone out yesterday if you're listening to this on Monday. And the next second episode goes out tonight if you're listening to this on Monday. Um, uh, so it's still valid. What if, you, what if you listen to it on Wednesday, boys? Well, if you, listen, if, you listen, <laughs> if you don't watch it to Wednesday, then potential spoilers are going to em- emanate from my mouth, obviously. Um, I loved series one. So series one, 
as you said, Holiday Granger plays Rachel Carey, and she, uh, to cut a long story short, she it became clear by the end of the series that the powers that be, however you want to define them, whether they be the government, the um, Secret Service, um, spooks, um, other kind of mysterious people in the British, uh, British establishment, were using this technology, this deep fake technology, in a process called correction. And what basically this correction was is that they would if need be, fake video footage to catch, you know, in theory, terrorists or people, you know, bad people. But if they didn't have the evidence they needed, they would fake the evidence. And that, so the whole of the first series was built around a particular case involving an, an ex-army guy played by Callum Turner, and they faked video footage of him um, kidnapping and attacking a woman. And that was, and the whole story spun off from there. Now, what was interesting was at the end of the that first series, um, when Holiday Granger's character was kind of like a force for good in terms of she was like completely stunned and shocked and appalled by the fact that these nefarious types at the top of the establishment were using this technology for, let's frankly, amoral purposes. But by the end, she'd been frankly co-opted. She was given a job working for that very department um, who 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 sought this technology out? So it was a very interesting finale. I thought that she oh, what's going to happen to her? So I'm not going to spoil it, but that, that's addressed full on as to you know what, what she's now doing. She's got a new job. She works in a new department as part of this whole kind of um, weird espionage element of the, of the police. But what happens in the brilliant opening scene? I thought. I mean, in in, a, in an open, I think this is one of the best. Cut long story short, I think this is one of the best first episodes of a show I've seen for a long, long time. It's incredibly entertaining, gripping, and brilliantly done, brilliantly directed and written. But the the first scene is this guy going back to his swish, swanky apartment in London in the high rise, and he has got his own um, technology, CCTV. He's got like three screens showing everything that's going on in his building um, up to his flat. And he sees seemingly invisible people coming up in the lift walking through the corridor to his flat and he gets ready to kind of defend himself and basically they kill him. This is not a spoiler. This is the very first scene. And then you're like, oh, so what, what, what's going on with him? He's then connected to a politician who is the new um, guest lead, played by Papi Asiedu, uh, who is a politician deeply involved in, um, in the whole issue of security. Um, he reports to the Home Secretary and... It turns out that Holiday Granger's character is being brought in by her ex-police, as you mentioned, her ex-police colleagues, uh, because this is clearly deals with technology involving deep fake video footage, and it all spins off from there. I won't say much more than that about the storyline, except to say that Indira Varma pops up at the end of the first episode as a presenter of Newsnight, and she gets much more involved, interestingly, from the second episode onwards, because there's a, it all builds up to an absolute coup of a finale of this first episode. So I think the first episode in total is brilliantly thrilling, fascinating. The whole idea of this technology is amazing. Um, I love Holiday Granger's character. I love the sporting characters. And I love Papa Tiedu as the new guest lead. But what happens in the final scene that I won't spoil mm. at all is phenomenal. It's just a brilliant mm. moment, a brilliant, dramatic, scary... A real gasp twist. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. proper rug pull. It's the definition yeah. of a rug pull. And it's so clever because... It just—it's really creepy as well, and quite scary. Yeah, like you're yeah, watching yeah. this thing unfold, and you're like, "Oh, so if that can happen, where does that leave the rest of us? Where does that leave you know?" Oh my god, yeah. that is the thing. Yeah, that's my main. It's like, chilling. It's chilling. Main... Yeah, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? That's the word. 
I then watched the I've watched the second episode as well, which and and, and I'm so in awe of Ben Shannon as the writer of this thing because he said like he directed the whole of the first series. He has directed the second. I asked him about that in the Q and A. So basically, because he didn't want to ruin his life. <laughs> it's so, I mean, it's so complicated what he's trying to do because there are who do you believe? Do you mm. do you, who, you know what's Holiday Granger really doing? Is she? Has she got ulterior motives? Have the government got ulterior motives? Have the police got ulterior motives? Has the spy? Everyone, you can't trust anyone in this setup, in this whole setup. And then on top of that, just the dramatization of this terrifying technology is so fascinating. So I'm loving it. I really, really am fascinated by this whole show. It is mind spangling. That's what <laughs> that is a great phrase. I've never heard that before. Really? <laughs> it. <laughs> because from all those aspects you're talking about, it's like, I didn't even know this technology existed. I thought, I mean, I haven't seen the first series and I watched the screening um, at Pilot 200. And for most of it, in the back of my head, I was just thinking, is it, does this actually happen? Like, it's terrifying that it happens. And obviously when I left the screening room, then all I could look for was the CCTV everywhere and see what locking <laughs> doors. And I was like, oh God, this is um, really scary. Yeah, because you're you're completely... Um, my mind was blown by that this these practices are happening covertly by people who are meant to be protecting us and and the whole thing the storyline I think you just mentioned is about you know should a Chinese tech company be given a key role in U.S. telecoms which is at the ba- the basis of this I wanted to ask you because now I want to go back and watch season one because I haven't watched it a is it available and yes. b can people do you feel like people can watch this without having seen it yeah it is available like is it connected yeah. the story. Um, I, you can. I think you definitely can. It's, they've done a brilliant job, actually, with that, I would say. So I, I didn't mention the child Chinese. Um, you're quite right to mention that because that is the whole kind of underlying connecting tissue of the story, yeah, that, you know, yeah, the, the, the Chinese technology company that is basically, as all companies in China are co-owned by the government, are trying to get a, a deal with the British government to give you technology at airports for facial, recogni- facial recognition, which as anyone who's looking into facial recognition has a whole racism element to it and everything, which is all explored in the show. So thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> but in answer to your question, they've made it so that you can actually watch the second series without having watched the first. There is a, there is a fully right. comprehensive recap at the beginning of this second series of what happened in the first. I think it, it's one of those things where I would say it definitely adds to your enjoyment, I think, if you've sat through if you've sat through what she particularly, um, Holiday Granger's character, has gone through. I don't know, it just adds to the weight of her position in this whole show somehow, do you know what I mean? But you don't literally have to watch it to know what the fuck's going on because it's quite yeah. – they create a whole new story where, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's an interesting Well, point. I absolutely plan to because I was so engrossed and gripped by this episode. But it did leave me wondering, the you know, as you said, D.S. Flynn and D.S. Latif. Yeah. Like what the, there's there's some acrimony between them all. And sure. I was just like left wondering about that. So I will rewatch it. There's also have- a key element of her um, friendship slash relationship with the Ben Miles character. You know, the guy she talks to, right. um, which has to find somewhere to talk to him so that they won't be recorded. Um, and she complains about how she's not being taken seriously. Do you remember that, that scene? He, you know, mm. w- what happens with between him and her is very interesting series one. So my, actually, I'm slightly changing my <laughs> advice now. If you've got time, <laughs> listeners, I will consume series one. If you didn't watch it, you, you will get much more out of it, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, just say, Papa is, mm. I oh. thought, so well cast in this. Brilliant. Because he plays this charming, polished... MP, like politicians so well and there's this moment that um 
is so realistic because we've mm. seen it happen play out, you know, especially during COVID when so many live interviews were happening from people's homes where his son rocks up. Yes. You know, he's doing this live interview, having to ask really difficult questions and his little son gate crashes and is asking his dad for help with his homework. And like, obviously from a live point of view, that's can be seen as a nightmare event, but more, more likely it's seen as PR gold. And I just thought the way he played that was just so, so, so good. So I think, yeah, definitely going to watch the next. So five more to watch. Yeah, six episodes. Yeah, yeah as someone yeah. who's had risky uh, photo bomb several like like uh, Zoom interviews at this stage, she's met everyone at this stage. She's met Maxine Peak. She's met Irvin Welsh. But it is like <laughs> it is how you uh, how you choose to style it out. Um, and I just love that that was that was definitely a scene there. I think that is. I mean, I agree with everything that both of you are saying. But just to, to reinstate i think papa sea do is one of the most interesting tv actors we've got definitely at the moment like he's having a real kind of real time of it with like the lazarus project which felt like his first significant lead role we've got him coming back in gangs of london where he's he's getting to do a lot more heavy lifting there i think and and then in this it's just as the the straight family man who who probably has much more to him than what we're seeing and who is obviously gets caught up in this major god you're you're so right by that final scene with the big reveal it's just fascinating like because of the plausibility of it because it's we we were almost there basically mm. um was absolutely brilliant <laughs> he's creepy what? as fuck <laughs> yeah it's it creepy, creepy as fuck yeah. Yeah. Like- there's another by the way, the finale of episode two has another creepy AF scene as Oof. well. It, 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 it no. almost that does that oh creepy AF gosh. scene. So it, it's full of, it's so brilliant. It's not yeah. possible. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. <laughs> but he is phenomenal, isn't he? You're right. And I was thinking that he hasn't, I feel like this is of such a different role as well. It's, and, and, and actually, as it goes on, it's got, you're, you're really not sure what to make of him in all kinds of ways. It's fascinating. Yeah. He does such a brilliant job of, there's one particular thing you don't know whether it's true or not about him, which they, which, which which they mentioned is mentioned in episode one is con- carries on to mention and I genuinely at this point have no idea whether he's lying or telling the truth I'm like it's so interesting I like d- desperate to find out so about like that. a normal MP then <laughs> yeah well exactly yeah I mean these they brilliantly observe certain little mannerisms yeah he talked about Papa Sio talked about in a couple of interviews how he did study quite closely a couple of MPs you wouldn't name them particularly quite rightly but there are a couple <laughs> of people who watch how they operate particularly in an interview situation. And in being interviewed on Newsnight, by the way, is the whole element of this whole series that carries on as well through it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, that is, uh, yeah, Capture Season 2, and that is available on... It'll be on the BBC, sorry, you did say, boy, could you just reiterate where we can watch that? BBC One, uh, Sundays and Mondays for three weeks, starting started yesterday. Brilliant. Right, next up, we're on to Ridley. Uh, Ridley stars Adrian Dunbar back uh, as this time a retired ex-detective inspector, uh, Alex Ridley. And uh, he's enlisted by his former protege, D.I. Carol Farman, played by the Fool's Brunner War, as a police consultant on a complex and compelling murder case. As the investigation takes a dark and unexpected twist, Carol is keen to access Ridley's unique insight into crime solving, which has served them so well in the past. Kay, what did you make of this? So, I am a big fan of Adrian Dunbar. I've got to state that from the beginning. 
love him as Hastings. And I think he's actually well cast as this retired detective um, who is grief stricken from the loss of his wife and daughter in a tragic accident. And you get the feeling he's being put out to pasture by the police a bit too soon. He's still thinking about cases he wants, like he's still hung up on. I What I like about this is that he is convincing in this role and he, you know, you want to see him in action flexing his detective muscles and he does he gets embroiled in this case that his protege um as you mentioned Brona War um who plays Carol brings him into this investigation of a murder because she feels it is connected to an old um missing persons case that he was involved in and he felt that the wrong person was convicted and he has a hunch and so she brings him in all of that great um i thought the case itself was interesting and there was a few twists like I didn't see coming so I was intrigued by it it feels to me a little bit ITV detective drama by numbers if I'm being honest like and the thing that I really struggle with is um I I think they've tried to like get under the skin of his character and give him some depth which is good because you want to see you know like why why he is how he is and why he's complex and maybe explore the grief side of things more but what they've chosen to do is really ram home the point that he is a jazz lover. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I find it so funny. He <laughs> Jazz music. In the beginning scenes. Yeah, yeah. Jazz music, yeah. And in the beginning scenes, they kind of like see him looking wistfully out of the window. He's listening to some jazz, having some whiskey or whatever. And he's looking at some photos of his um, loved ones who have passed. And, you know, he's reminiscing about cases. Great. For me, that establishes everything. But they've sort of created this um, subplot or like just an element of the storyline where we kind of learn about the fact that he co-owns a jazz club with his um, dead wife and their friend, um, which he kind of visits. And um, there's one point where, I mean, this is not a spoiler, but it's something to look out for, for sure, is that he goes to the jazz club and the lady who owns it, his friend, is sort of talking about how the club's doing and the fact that if he were to return um, to sing, then the punters would just come flocking. And we get to hear Adrian singing. Now, he's got a lovely <laughs> voice. Let me state that for the record. He has got a lovely voice. But would people come flocking? I have to question <laughs> the validity of this statement. I'm not sure if the sales would ne- of tickets would necessarily go up. But more to the point, I just don't think it adds anything to this storyline. And I find it very distracting. Um, I know it seems like a weird thing to get hung up on, but I just felt like it just was unnecessary. And then I became very, it took me out of the story, if anything, because I just found it, I've got a low (laughs) fringe threshold, I think. And I just felt then I was just waiting for the next moment that he would be in the club singing and stuff like that. So that seems like a small point, but it, did take away from my enjoyment of this um and the other thing i think would have been nice is if they saved sort of that element and used it more to explore the relationship with brona war's character because to me the the dynamic wasn't strong enough i wanted to see more of like because they've got this history together and he's obviously been a real mentor to her and i just felt she sort of blended into the background as soon as he was on the scene and you didn't see much of that so that's what I think. The jazz, it killed, the jazz killed it for me a little bit. But I, <laughs> you know, you know, Kay, the jazz was his, a, his idea. You know, the jazz was oh, his really? idea. Don't you, Adrian Dummer? I quote you. Uh, let, let me quote from this week's Heat magazine. Yes. Adrian Dunbar is asked, Ridley co-owns a jazz club. Was it your idea to bring that element to the show? Yes, he says. I wanted there to be something interesting about Ridley beyond the police work. 
that's so that's you know i'm afraid i love him ad dunbar don't get me wrong but the jazz <laughs> element as we're calling it too. yeah the jazz element as we should call it um is a really interesting um aspect of the whole show i have a rule now with um tv crime thrillers with particularly this kind of yeah. police procedural is and i'm calling it the cloth rule and it's if mm-hmm. it looks like an episode of A Touch of Cloth, <laughs> the classic Charlie Brooker piss take of TV crime dramas, then I have to have some kind of doubt about its quality. And I have to say, the first, the opening, um, what, 10 to 15 minutes of the show, they literally could have been cut yeah. from A Touch yeah. of Cloth, the spoof, and planted onto this show, and you would not notice the difference. The, the tropes that they in this show, honestly. Mm. So you've got the scene where Brona War's character ducks under the police tape. The ducking under police tape itself is a brilliant <laughs> cliche. Then she meets the pathologist, who's a bit eccentric, the slightly eccentric pathologist, or completely cloth clothian, clothesque action. And then all the way through, pretty much every setup. From the the whole idea, by the way, of a retired cop being brought back in reluctantly, yeah. much to the chagrin of his colleagues, particularly his boss, all of that is such a trope. Um, the scenes, what really crystallised my feeling about this show for me is the scenes where his boss um, kind of took him to task, or those those clashes. There are scenes where he clashes with his boss, and there's a bit where the boss gets out of his seat, walks up to him in in his office, in in a in a you know in the, in the other police station, and literally shouts in his face, <laughs> shouting in his face in in Ridley in Adrian Dubois. So sound like imagine that happening in real life. Imagine in like your office. I mean, I, that I think that's plausible. To be fair, I I can believe no, that really? him owning a. Yes, yes, of course. Okay, like imagine I, if we had a slight disagreement. Most... If we had a disagreement about something, you know, we, we, you know, we sit next to each other and I like got up from my de- seat, walked over to you and I, literally I, I shouted in your face. Point. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I no, obviously we wouldn't, but you know, in different industries, I don't think it's as uncommon as you think. I thought it was preposterous. What did you, Boyd, thought... did you, and Beth, I... what did you think about the jazz element? I, right. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, go no, on, you're right. Go on. Go on. You're on a roll. Well, in the end, in the end, I thought the whole show was so, and I, I, I will always stand up for ITV drama. I, you know, I, we've, we often, you're right, you know, James is such a, is such a pompous snob when it comes to ITV drama. But actually, well, I mean, we're reviewing another one in a minute, so I'll, so spoiler alert. But this show, I have to say, I mean, there is a whole tradition of now of eight o'clock. This is eight o'clock Sunday night shows, which are like two-hour slots. So this is we watch with ads. It's like a two-hour show. We watch the ninety minutes without ads, which are it's re- they almost like revel in the fact that they are very traditional, fairly straightforward mainstream cop dramas. That is just the whole idea of it in a way. So take it. You have to take that into account to some extent, right? But I thought this was particularly lacking in any originality whatsoever and i in the end i was almost relieved with the jazz stuff because it was what as adrian dunbar otherwise there would have been nothing interesting about him you, oh you, no i mean you mentioned brona war's character she's she's uh, she's gay i think she's she a, was criminally criminally yeah, she, her undeveloped partner's a woman character. and she's got a kid and that's the most interesting thing about her character for sure like, you know, mm. they almost felt like, oh, you know, that's like their shortcut to making her interesting, that character. Um, but I, in the end, the so final... So she got, she got a... Go on. <laughs> she got a lesbian partner yeah. and Adrian Dunbar got, got jazz. jazz. Yeah, got jazz, right, yeah. <laughs> but it, I, do you know what? This is absolutely God's honest truth. By the end, 
um, when he gets a big another song. He does the second song. He sings two songs, by the way, right? The finale song, which is like him singing. Again, he has got a really good voice over the kind of montage of wrapping up the whole episode. I quite liked it. I quite liked him. No, Boyd. No. Don't be... No. Should I tell you what? By that point, I honestly was like, sort of had checked out and just thought, I feel like I'm watching an ITV audience with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mate, you're right. You're right. There will definitely be, by the way, I predict now, there will definitely be an Adrian Dunbar album Christmas before album. the year is out. Of course, Christmas yeah. time. Yeah. There's got yeah. to Christmas be. Time. Yeah. 100%. Some Christmas crooning. And do you know what, Boyd? I wouldn't be disappointed yeah. with that. I'd no. buy it because I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> You'd what, buy it? I'm not going to go that far. I wouldn't buy it. Fuck well, sake. I would support his singing. <laughs> I would support his singing career like that. What I'm not so yeah. signed up to with this detective drama is yeah. um, I mean, singing for detective. For me, it's skewed more towards like a David Lynch film. Like a detective comes up and sings jazz music. <laughs> and usually I would have all the time in the world to watch something like that, especially baked into something as formulaic as an ITV drama. That is so formulaic that it does come off like a parody at times. But... If you're going to serve me a 90-minute episode of a TV show and part of it is this completely standalone, weird, obscure jazz performance, you're just going to piss me off. So it's just... It's just... That was was the takeaway for me. I was just pissed off by by the the dead weight of that scene. I know that it it kind Mm. of lifted it for you, but if it's it's saving a show... The first scene. Or like it's yeah. saving the tone. The first jazz scene is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, isn't it? Because the I first can't jazz which scene. One, I, do you know what? I've got PTSD. I, I, let me remind you, right? The, the first jazz scene arrives when he's just he, he's just had a meeting about the case, and then he's walking along, and he sees his own mm. jazz club that he owns, and he goes, "Oh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm oh just, yeah, I'm which, just going to wander in to my as jazz if it's club. A surprise, yeah, which has all been shut down. It's all been closed up, presumably because of the death of his." wife or daughter etc he goes I'm just going to go wander into the jazz club I'm going to go to the piano I'm just going to fucking sing a song Matt (laughs) it's like (laughs) that is comical that was a complete honestly if Charlie Brooker had come up with a funny scene you know about a jazz singing cop he could not come up with a funny one than that I've actually got my head in my hands sorry sorry (laughs) yeah so that was hilarious it was the very last scene that I I actually didn't mind but yeah I mean (laughs) he's just got a head in her hands <laughs> I can't. I can't. And I love Adrian Dunbar and Brona Wharf, but yeah, yeah same, for you. same. Yeah, it's it, it's just very generic, isn't it? Apart from <laughs> yeah. fucking jazz. Let's let's retire our jazz hands for today, maybe, and uh, go on to our yeah. last show of the week again. As as I said, I'm glad that James isn't here. It's another ITV drama. Um, it's uh, The Suspect. It stars Aidan Turner of Paul Dark fame. And he stars as a psychologist turned murder suspect, Dr. Joseph O'Loughlin. In this adaptation of Michael Robotham's novel, Boyd will come to you. Uh, is the doctor in? Oh, God. Oh, this is why I don't do these. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing a, like, you're you're doing a much better job than I would. Yeah. It was just because you're trying to match the cheesiness of James's intros. Yeah, but yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, uh, I should come clean. I, you know, I always like to make it clear that if I have any connection to these things. I did host the launch Q and A with the cast and crew, yeah. including Aiden, of this show a, 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 a few weeks ago for ITV. So I am invested. I got paid for that, um, but they did send me the episodes in advance, and I was delighted to um, because I think this is uh, so for me. 
This is the polar opposite. When it, this is a crime drama to Ridley. Ridley, like police procedural by numbers with a bit of jazz. <laughs> this feels like an original, a truly original prospect. And it's got, a, an, a, you know, on top of the capture, I was saying how dazzling, this has a brilliantly exciting, tense opening whereby um, Aidan Turner's character, Joe, is working in this. He's got kind of like, he counsels particular people. He's a psychologist, and in the hospital where he works, suddenly someone, a, a young man, is on the is is in a high up floor on the window ledge, about to throw himself off, basically, because he's been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he's like, "Why? Have, what have I got to live for? I'm gonna I'm gonna take my own life." And and Aidan's character Joe is is an like because he's a psychologist, he deals with kind of stuff. He's commandeered to try and coax the guy back to safety and he goes out on the ledge himself because he's a maverick loose cannon you know will do anything uh to try to standing next to him um to try and get the guy to convince the guy um not to throw himself off and the way that's filmed is very very smart and convincing i totally believe they were standing on the edge of a massive building in london somewhere in west london and um with the wind blowing in their faces and it's really well done and i and i think it kept up the um, interest from there, and I won't. I won't. Don't not going to say too much about the case. So that so you then that you then get to meet more. Um, he becomes like a national hero by the way, because obviously it's on the news that he saved this guy's life. The guy doesn't die. Spoiler alert! But this is all, also what happens in the first five minutes. I feel it's not a spoiler. <laughs> it's the premise. Um, so he becomes a national hero for helping to save this guy's life. And being so brave to go out on the ledge himself, um, you then find out more. He's a family man. He's got a wife and kid, and um, he uh, is, is a renowned figure anyway. He writes books about psychology and about particularly interested in criminals. Uh, he's got a, a, a patient, a client who is kind of clearly somehow borderline, has very borderline major issues, and is an interesting figure. And he's brought in by these two cops um, who are played by Sean Park, who I love in everything, and Anjali Mahindra, who I also love in everything, both really good, interesting actors. And they're like this unlikely, quite unlikely cop duo, I think, in the whole realms of cop duos. Much more interesting than the cops. Again, I keep comparing it to Ridley. These are, these are individuals who feel like actual living, breathing humans who have mm -hmm. different personalities rather than just being <laughs> plot devices or whatever. And they, and she in particular, Angie Mahindra's character, asked him for his expertise in this case. And I'm not going to say anything about the case because I think ITV quite, they didn't, yeah, they didn't want to spoil it at all. Um, and he gets involved in finding out and trying to work out who might have, uh, all I'd say is a, a woman is found dead and it's kind of investigating that. I, would, I, 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 I really liked it. I think Aiden turned, it's a brilliant role for Aiden because He's like got the charm that he always has in every role he ever does, and you know he's an incredibly handsome guy. He's very beardy in this in this show, which gives him a, a different look that totally works for this kind of psychologist character, I think. But again, he's got that ambiguity. The same what I was saying about Papa Siedu, very similar actually, is that you're just not quite. There seems to, I think there might be something wrong, that you know, and and as the plot goes along. Um, the more you've got more and more reasons to doubt him again, but you're not sure. Maybe these are all coincidences, etc. Without going into it in too much detail, but definitely there's a fascinating ambiguity to him, and um, it's almost like as it goes, as you you, you said, Beth, like, maybe he's you know maybe he's a suspect, and that kind of ambiguity is fascinating. I just think it's really well for for this kind of show for a crime drama. You know, there's like three or four crime dramas every bloody week. I think this was really well written and directed and particularly strong, the, the main characters and the whole ambiguity of the case. So I, I was fascinated on it. I can't wait to finish it.
Yeah, I um, I agree with you in in the short run, but I'd love to hear more about what Kay thinks oh. about it. I absolutely agree with everything you said. And for me, the capture and the suspect are both in the same league. Mm. Not to like, you know, but really they are just superior dramas, well shot, um, well cast, um, well written. Like just everything about this scream quality. And I think Aidan Turner in this role, as you said, is brilliant because he's charismatic, but also very complex. So it's clear that he's, I don't think we said this, but he's struggling with early onset Parkinson's. Yes, no, I didn't say that. Yeah. And um, and so that adds this extra dimension to the whole thing because you could, he's clearly struggling with it. You know, will it stop him from doing the job he loves? Um, and, you know, we also, it's alluded to that he's had marital issues in the past. So even though he presents as this kind of perfect look, you know, he's got a good job, he's very handsome. Boyd mentioned the beard, which FYI, Aiden with the beard, <laughs> I'm very much here for. And I suspect he uses beard shampoo because I he strikes me as a man who as well. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, you know, sometimes men with beards can, yeah. you know, come across yeah. a bit like the twits. Not like that. Yeah. He looked very, um, very silky, that beard. Anyway, so yeah, so he's, it's quite, there's lots of depth to him, which I really liked. And, but at the same time, as you say, there's this ambiguity over him, around him, because there's something not quite right about him. And it makes you feel so unsettled and uneasy that it's just compelling and completely gripping. So yeah. And I thought, as you said, those police, um, the police duo, were really, really believable and um, nothing really. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it, it always boils down to, to the protagonist, doesn't it? That's sadly where James and I tend to align is that I need somebody that I can really back if I'm gonna, especially if I'm wandering into something that's not usually to my immediate tastes. I need someone really strong and really backable mm. and um, I found myself quite bewitched by Asian Turner's um, beard and um, everything behind the beard, <laughs> <laughs> by which I, of course, mean the emotional complexity of this character. Um, mm, yes, and course. the fact that you do feel instantly <laughs> when when the cracks do start to show in his story, you do actually feel a little bit deceived because you just think, here's this doctor who's willing to risk his own life to kind of... And and better everybody else's lives around him when in fact he he could be extremely harmful perhaps perhaps we don't know I've only seen the first episode mm. but um, I I mm. find the 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 writing and the performance of that character especially to be kind of the strongest reason behind that just as I love Holiday Granger in in the capture as well um, there's a real she's she's obviously a lot more brittle um, but. Um, yeah, I, I found him to be extremely compelling and, and draws you into the story even more. I think, again, something that it suffers from slightly is all the tropes of a murder mystery or, or like a crime mystery are here. The kind of like perhaps some some problems in the personal life, some problems in the marriage. Um, some of the depictions of mental health perhaps could be a little bit more nuanced, but, you know, it's a, it's a so far pretty by the numbers crime drama but he makes it he he elevates it basically is what i thought but yeah I, I was into it i was into it i feel like there's a wax on there it's just very dense beard isn't it like yeah mm, yeah. yeah i definitely think there's beard champion <laughs> boy did you ask him crucially when you did the q a um not did particularly you this, not particularly this very important question yeah not specifically about how he kept it yeah. up but um he did he 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 had happened to have when he was given the role when he got the when he when he took the role he happened to have a fairly heavy beard um at the time and he like thought it would, it would work for the character which it totally does 
Um, but I didn't specifically yeah, ask him about his beard regime. Although I think I have done in the past because I've done, I've hosted a few Q and A's back in the poll dog days. And often in between filming series of poll dog, he'd have a pretty hefty beard. So, but I need to find out because I, I, if I get even the remotest amount of beard on my chin, it, I get like you know, yeah. oh, it's it's, a, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to deal Patchy. with. Patchy, yeah. Patchy, patchy, yeah. Dry. It's tough. It's tough. But not that these are my observations about your beard. But okay, can we do then Aiden Turner <laughs> beard watch in the future? Just we'll keep an eye on it. Hundred percent. And yeah, cool. yeah. But I, I wanted to say quickly that I, I think I, I'm really pleased that the, you both like the Sean Parks Angie Mahindra duo as well. And I think it's really clever of them early on, right, right near the beginning, when they discover this the dead body of this of this young woman that I think it's his Sean Parks's character has a little mini speech about how it affects him. And you just don't get that much in crime drama. It's like the crimes, no. the deaths are taken so, uh, just like the, often the fodder for the plot. And I thought that was a really clever little moment to have him clearly personally, even though he's a very experienced detective, like affected by it, this thing. Like, and you know, look, look we've got- He sounded, I know the exact moment you're talking about, because for me, it's like he sounded like almost a civilian. Yeah. Like he was just a normal human reacting to the, you know the brutalities of what they see and stuff and i uh, yeah you're right actually that was so different to other cop dramas detective dramas where they've just got this well-versed speeches they yeah. perform and I should say peter berry is the guy he he adapted the book um he wrote the script and done, i think he's done a really good job and i think it's no coincidence this is from world productions who do line of duty vigil you know Pembrokeshire murders they they mm. know what the fuck they're doing and it's like it, sometimes the production company yeah. is a quali- is is definitely um they, you know a mark of quality that's what i'm trying to say that phrase, mock quality. That's the phrase I'm searching for. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, Boyd, where can we watch The Suspect? It is on ITV tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday. Mondays for the next five weeks. And, and interestingly, they're not putting it all out on one go or anything like that. So you have to have, watch it as a weekly event and we can all join in for the thrills and spills and twists and turns. I love, I love that. that. I yes. also love that. Old yeah, old school is yeah. the way forward. And Boyd, what else can we expect, or what can we watch this week? Well, well, there's a little show called The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of the Lord. Uh, <laughs> it's called Lord of the Rings, The Rings of I Power. Know. It's the official title. Kay's very excited about this. She, Kay is a massive Tolkien head. I don't know if you know this. She's read every <laughs> single word that Tolkien. Is that right? Is that true? Is that? Yeah, absolutely, boys. You know okay. me so well. Yeah, such a effing nerd. Um, anyway, The Lord <laughs> of the Rings, The Rings of Power, the most expensive TV show ever made, um, uh, arrives on Friday on Prime Video, but we're not allowed to review it because it's heavily embargoed until the day before. But we've seen it. I have seen it anyway. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid saying it. It's going to get me into trouble. Um, uh Yes. Peter Jackson is not involved. Let me just say that. The the creator of all those um, six hobbity Lord of the Ringsy movies. It's a whole new creative team. Morfid Clark is in it from St. Maud. Maxim Baldry's in it from years and years. Lenny Henry's in it of, from Lenny Henryness. So he's got a really good cast. Um, but we cannot say what <laughs> we think Henry's. of it. We will review it next week, Kay. This is a, you've got a treat in store because there's no way we're not reviewing this in next week's episode. The Lord of the Rings. Oh, Rings I of think power. I'm so sorry. I think I'm busy. No, you have to. I'm just going to a jazz club. I can't. <laughs> yeah, your jazz career is going to. Fl- maybe you'll be performing at a jazz club. Um, the other, the only other thing I would mention is Bloods, which is a really good Sky comedy show, Sky slash Now comedy show um, about ambulance people, ambulance operatives. It's 
Jane Horrocks, Samson Kaya, who co-created it as well. Uh, Lucy Punch is in it. Julian Barrett's in it. It's it's one of it's one of my favourite Sky comedy shows. It's really really good. And they what they did with this series is they showed the first half of it a few months ago, and this is the second half starting on Thursday at ten o'clock on Sky Comedy now, and it's really really good. But I think those Question. are the only other things. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Of course. Why have they divided it? I think I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it was because they um, the filming it went right up. There wasn't much time between the filming of it and it going out, and they and then maybe the the second lot weren't available at that point, or they weren't they needed more time mm. to work on them, edit them, etc. I think that's why, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Interesting. Yeah. All right then. Fantastic. What are our picks of the week? Oh, this is it's, for me. It's a tough one. It's between this. Uh, the capture and the suspect. I'm going to go for the suspect, actually, just because I am yeah. really gripped by it. They are very much joint. I cannot separate them. It's really hard to separate. Mm. I might just go for the capture. You have to, Boyd. <laughs> okay, I might just go for the capture. I think that opening episode of the capture is such a triumph. Um, yeah, so I might go for the capture. Yeah. But I love the suspect. Yeah, well. tough week, but I am inclined to agree with you. I think the capture just um, – Holiday Granger, Papa S.E.A.D., like, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah. And shorter. You know, I'm just going to take the shortest thing this week. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Well, thank you both. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, that's it for this week's show. Feel free to look us up on social media at Pilot TV Pod, as well as individually at Kate Ribeiro, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth Kate Webb. Uh, next week. So it'll be Lord of the Rings next week, Boyd. What else have you got coming up? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Um... Maybe that show that Kay started to talk Brassic. about. Brassic, maybe. Um, which, which I didn't yeah. review. No, I, I know. I'm having a go. The first series. Yeah. But James probably... If You're going to be told off. No, if James from Florida probably won't want to do Brassic. So we'll, but definitely the fucking Lord of the Rings. All right. Lord of the, Lord of the fucking Rings. And the rest is up in the air. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, pilot out. <laughs>